American politics, like usual, like usual, and how how far right wing we've really gotten throughout American history. How do you how do you want to how do you want to start getting into this? Do you want to? Is there a particular aspect that you've been thinking about? I mean, I guess I guess we should start with the current, obviously, new president Joe Biden, um, and how uh, he's he's like considered this like Democrat liberal like uh, savior. And when yeah. I guess when you compare him to Trump, like, yeah, okay, Trump was pretty bad. Yep. Um, but in no ways, if you if you compare it to like really like especially other countries that actually are left. Um but even even like previous American politicians, like he's still extremely right wing. Um, and we've gone into this a little bit before, but he's he's yeah. still free market capitalist. Um he i don't know he's like he's not really for like socialized healthcare. i don't believe or if he no. is he's like just given the allure of it yes yeah yeah, yeah. i think that's what he's done yeah because like what i always think about it's like um what bill clinton like said like openly that he what like 20 years prior to when he ran for president and became president would have been considered a moderate Republican. Like that's all the evidence you need right there. Like he he admitted that. Um, And then uh, now like Joe Biden, dude, I mean that man, not, he he was such a big sponsor of like the, the crime bill and shit. That's not left as far as I'm concerned. That's pretty like authoritarian crime and punishment oriented. Right. I mean, is that is that left? I mean, again, we use the political compass for everything because, like, yeah. it's very useful. Um, yes. But I don't know if that's a manner of right wing or authoritarian. I mean, that is authoritarian. So I don't know if that directly makes him right wing. But um, yeah, that's a fair critique of what I just said. typically <laughs> like. I don't know, like hard on crime and hard on drugs is typically like a conservative ideal, I would say. Yeah. Generally yeah. speaking, especially now with like a lot of. Uh, sorry a lot of states um like le- like legalizing all drugs or decriminalizing all drugs or whatever oregon did or washington yeah yep they decrant yeah it was oregon they decriminalized all drugs which i think is fantastic personally but that's just me um yeah no your your critique of what i just said i think is right because you could have like a like an authoritarian left state where they also are, you know, brutally treating their prisoners. And if you don't listen to our doctrine, you're you're going to get punished for it. If you don't fit into the mold, you're going to suffer. Right. Um, I mean, that's that's exactly China is like they're they're communists, kind of. Uh, they're like their own brand of communism, capitalism blend thing, which is kind of cool. And don't take me for like uh, a tanky, but. <laughs> the ability to like kind of mold two economic systems into one is kind of cool. Um, yeah, they like, but they're I the mean, same way. They're they're authoritarian. Like you can't not fit the mold. Like you have to fit in. Yeah, totally, totally. So you could also look at like Stalin, Russia, like same kind yeah, of yeah, yeah, um, definitely. So like yeah, taking that point, 
to heart that you just made. Um, I guess really, if we're talking purely left and right, we should consider like the, uh, just like the, the economic shift towards the right. And, and what I mean by that is broader. Right. Than yeah. Yeah. Right. That's a, that's a good way to put it. Cause really like between authoritarian and libertarian, we've had absolutely no push or pull on that. It's just gotten strictly more authoritarian. Um, yeah, I, I yeah, agree. I mean, yeah. That's, agree that's that. just a fact. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's that, that part's difficult. Cause like on one hand, yeah, totally. Cause we like our prison system has been, turned into this thing where it's just like it's it's almost like an industry on its own like we just it is it's literally the prison there's private prisons like what the fuck (laughs) yeah and then that and then prison construction as well um but i mean we've made we've made progress on social issues yes that's where i was gonna go with it yeah i knew i knew you were gonna (laughs) um but like that I'm going to say this and I might get crucified for this. I don't know. Um, but it doesn't really matter. Like that does, that has no impact on like the rich getting richer or capitalism a, or socialism. It's not as much like, of a structure focused thing, right? Yeah, like, yeah, it's an easy win to give away because like it doesn't hurt any of these structures in place. Yeah. And not to, uh, not to speak for you here. Well, I'm going to speak for you because I know you will agree with this, but like, that's not to say that that step is not an important one because surely it right, is. Correct. The, yeah, the definitely. Thing to do. But like, it's not, it's not affecting the core institutions of how this country works, which is something that was special about Black Lives Matter because the point was like, we, we want the entire police system to be restructured, right? It wasn't just... Right, yes, exactly. That's an actual structural change as opposed to yeah. social change, which is very different, yeah. Very different, yeah. And, uh, like, so to get kind of back onto our main point here, um, we have had this economic shift towards the right in this country over the course of, you know, probably since the 70s. I mean, looking at one example alone, like if you average out the uh, minimum wage for each decade, like where it was and what it would adjust to in current dollars with inflation, um, we've just been it's been stagnating and like, you know, just tapering off like for a while there. It was. Decent, it was kind of livable, um, if not improving. And then 70s and Reagan in the 80s, who we both fucking hate um to now it's just been like yeah fuck fuck the common person which interestingly enough the 70s i believe is when we started like so many businesses started outsourcing manufacturing into third world countries to save a buck so we lost those we lost like those industrial jobs and simultaneously any jobs that you could get then after that are paying less in terms of your minimum wage than they would now Right. So, right. Like, so, um, I just, sorry, I just looked this up really quick. Um, so it, the minimum wage right now, if it had been adjusted for inflation since 1968, would be about twenty four dollars an hour. Jesus. So, which is like more than like literally half the country makes. <laughs> yeah. So that's cool. So that's really cool. <laughs> yeah. Wait. When? When? The minimum wage from when? 1968. So I guess if you took the like 
one to three percent, give or take inflation every year. Um, from 1968 to now, um, it would be $24 an hour. I, I'm guessing is how they did the math for that. Again, I'm not, this is just like a, like an article. So I, it doesn't show the math on it really. So you're not a economist. Take it. Yeah. I'm not an economist. Take it with a grain of salt, but I mean, that's not unreasonable. If you have 3% every year for like 50 years, like, yeah, yeah. It's going to be a lot. Yeah. 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 No, totally. Um, so like couple that really with the, uh, the kind of neoliberal, like Reaganite move towards, uh, dismantling unions in this country and getting rid of workers' rights. Um, and that's, we're, we're going really hard to the right. Like they, like Reagan basically. Right. Yeah. And, that, and that's a, that's a huge, that's a huge point to like point to make. Yeah. Yeah. Cause like, I mean, for me, when I think about economics, really fundamentally going left to right it's about the the whole argument that people will have is going to be about where should resources be distributed how how should a person be able to acquire resources right so like in a very left-winged and like the furthest left that we can conceive of right now probably uh economics or sorry resources would be distributed to people even if they don't like air quotes earn it you know like if you are just if you're a person, you're going to have what the resources you need to survive no matter what. And nobody's going to get, nobody's going to have like so many resources that they can, you know, dominate over other people. And then on the right, it would be the opposite. It's like, what can you make out of the resources that you currently have? Or what can you earn using the channels that have been provided to you by other people with resources right and, right. and how, how much can one person make really is is kind of the end goal is like how do you win is basically capitalism is like you want to win well how do you win you get more yeah totally right? and it's, that's uh, and that's going to come down to one person essentially getting more yeah right? yeah that's, that's the goal it's <laughs> like a, it's like turning it into a pure competitive like uh kind of medium rather than turning it, you know, ideal on the, on the ideal left end, turning it into something where we're all in this together working collectively. Right. It's that, it's that, um, it's, it's that diametrically opposed interest between like rugged individualism to the point of how much can I compete with my fellow man and like out earn him versus how much do we consider the collectivist side, you know, how much do we consider other people, in this how much do i consider everyone to be family etc cetera, etc cetera. obviously that's like a that sound that's like a disneyland kind of way to describe it but that's generally i mean kind kind of the thought process i think for most of those people so um i just i just looked this up as well so this is union enrollment throughout the united states um starting in 1964 is when this graph starts um, okay. So basically, like a third of all U.S. workers belong to a union in 1964, and if we jump to yeah. about when, when was Reagan elected? 84. Here, I'll go through some states really quick first. Um, no. So California was 33 percent union employment. Texas was 13 and a half. Pennsylvania was 37.7. Uh, some of the other high ones. Uh, Washington was 44 and a half. Um, on the low end. Was that South Carolina was seven percent? Yeah. yeah. Um, a lot of yeah, and it, it's it's like pretty, it's pretty like 
what you'd expect is like you have the Midwest and the South being less and Northeast corridor and West coast being higher. Um, yeah. Skipping forward to this is as of 2014. Um, California is down to 16%. Washington's at 17. <laughs> South Carolina's at two. Pennsylvania is down to 12. Texas is at five. So you basically cut all of the unions in half or more in every basically every single state to me that's tragic too like because unions essentially it's just like a way for the worker to bargain with the owner for their you know working conditions and with the material resources that they'll be able to take home like they your boss kind of decides what kind of house you can afford you know and yeah essentially unions, yeah yeah unions are a way to like bargain with that person and it's like I'm just thinking about this right now. It's kind of interesting that like this was happening. Like Reagan came into office. We we shifted so neoliberal in terms of policy and economics. Um, and simultaneously we were losing manufacturing jobs in the US to, you know, Laos, Cambodia, places where they had no workers. Right. So, That's what I wanted to bring up too. So you can also like this is actually it's it's pretty cool. It's like a little sliding chart, so I can pick the year that they did, I guess, whatever census or something. Um, yeah, you can you can literally see the states declining over time in union membership. Um, and again, yeah, like uh, like Ohio, Michigan, like some of the big like auto manufacturing states, like dude, they just plummeted after Reagan. Yeah, and that's that's it's it's like an interesting thing because the two the two are not necessarily connected. Actually, I'd say they're not connected at all. The the decrease in unionization and the you know, outsourcing of manufacturing jobs to other countries. They're I would not, argue those are directly correlated, honestly. Hang on. So no, here, let me, let me explain why. So if they're, uh, if we're decreasing workers' rights and decreasing the power of unions here, that means that employers here can suck more out of us than they could otherwise. When people move, when people move their manufacturing, outsource it to like, you know, a, uh, like a Southeast Asian country where there are no workers' rights, they're doing it for that same reason, right? It's because they can they can get more out of their workers um, for less, right? So when we're when we're moving in that direction towards less workers' rights, and people are also outsourcing jobs to countries with less workers' rights, it's the kind of kind of the same thing. Like I I, I would see I could see this argument. I could see the argument rather that when we get more workers rights they'd be more interested in outsourcing jobs to other countries because they don't have to pay as much like it's hard it's it's more expensive to pay a union worker than it is to pay a regular worker yeah yeah that's what i was saying i think you said it backwards initially did i, I okay I, you had it flipped. but yes yeah yeah exactly like if you have if you have a union and the union says we want uh 401k benefits and healthcare how much easier is it to just close that factory and ship it out to somewhere in you know southeast asia or something yes. you know like it's so much cheaper to do that than just simply pay your employees more right and just to wrap up my main point about that real quick um those jobs were being outsourced to those other countries simultaneously while our workers rights were decreasing um so it's those two things are not connected like that outsourcing and the decreasing of our you know whatever is not necessarily i mean i guess you could argue in in a way maybe it could be but like people when people talk when i talk to people who are anti-union for the most part they say 
they connect it for like for this reason they connect it to like union jobs to warehouse manufacturing industrial jobs they're like well now we we have a we're at a point where like you know you're not going to lose life and limb manufacturing steel all day so we don't need unions anymore and my whole point is just like well the union is your way again of negotiating with your boss because me versus my boss that I, I can't win i have no say but all of us versus our boss then we can kind of you know negotiate i agree i agree entirely um again i don't i don't know that i agree with your previous point about like more unions i don't know i mean i guess okay so more more you said more unions would decrease outsourcing no 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 no. that's not the point i was ma- i was trying to make the point of like more unions will increase outsourcing right and we were decreasing yeah. our unions and there was more outsourcing developing at the same time so the argument i could okay. see against myself would be just like oh we're we're decreasing our union stuff and our workers rights because we want to try to convince our domestic companies to stop outsourcing that's the argument i would see to what i just initially said but it didn't play out like that which is interesting yeah totally even if you had a union and i again i don't have any like stories to back this up or anything but i mean unions are essentially dead (laughs) and we've outsourced a lot so i'm gonna go ahead and say this um but like if you if you had a factory and all of the workers were like, you know, you're not allowed to shut down this factory and ship it out to where whatever other country, like they could say, sucks for you. Like we're just gonna fire all of you anyways and do yeah. it anyways. Like it didn't it didn't stop anything. So that would be the argument against that. And uh, again, I don't have any proof of that, but like you can see it in we don't have unions and we outsource a ton of jobs. So. Yeah, and it's like okay, to argue to argue back against my argument to my initial point, I'm going to say <laughs> the reason because this is what how my brain works. I know you're the same way, Chad. Um, but like the reason why decreasing workers' rights, decreasing, you know, putting putting laws into place that prevent unions from forming um did not bring back manufacturing is because no matter what you do the American people are not going to be on board with the, the, them having the same working conditions as like China, for example, like in China, um, I learned this from Noam Chomsky, but like the way a lot of their manufacturing places work, like let's say just making clothes, um, people, it, it, mostly women in this case will be packed into a, you know, warehouse where they're just sewing all day, nonstop. They have a quota to, uh, to meet, and um they're they're locked in there like basically like not basically they are literally locked in here for 12 hours and that you can't go piss you can't do anything you're just working 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 and if you're having a particularly bad day as you know a sewing employee um the warehouse catches on fire and since you're locked in you all burn to death I can't see American pe- the American people standing for that, regardless of where you stand in terms of like economic policy and right. union. So, like that, I think that kind of negates the the Reagan stance here. Right. Yeah. Definitely. Um. Like, and and I think that's a big argument for why it's okay to ship out these jobs is because like 
oh well u.s people like we don't like americans don't want to you know put together (laughs) dildos for a job you know like they don't want to do that they don't want to fold boxes or something like they don't want to do stuff like that um but if we ship it out like those people in other countries will be grateful to do that because that means they have a job and they can provide for their families even if it's like you know cents on the dollar like they're still happy with that right i mean i mean it's like i i know i know that you don't mean literally happy with that but like the well, yeah, not happy, but like there. I mean, I don't yeah. know if you if you were like living in a third world country and you had the choice between like starving and being homeless or getting paid two cents a day to buy rice and you can afford an apartment or whatever. Like, which are you going to pick? You know, you'll be happier with the apartment, even if it's only two cents an hour or whatever. Oh, exactly. Like the thing, the thing is, it's like it's still disgusting and exploitative on in like an extreme level beyond what we have here by far but like at the end of the day they are there you now have like as as the sweatshop worker you now have the money to feed your family you now can't you're not going to starve so that's why people take that job but it's still like and i'm sure you agree with this but like by my view that's still being held kind of at gunpoint right absolutely i mean yes 100 percent, absolutely i'm just providing kind of like an example of like why some people might say it's okay because i mean it is like lifting people out of poverty in relation yeah Yeah. you know like they like these people are getting a better quality of life even if they're getting paid you know 20 like 1 20th of what we get paid for the same job you know if they get paid way less but they're but like, you know, spending is different, you know, it's a lot more money to them than it would be to us, I guess. Yeah, like I so yeah, we we're, we we totally agree on that. Like at the end of the day, it is making people able to sustain themselves, whereas otherwise they may not have been able to. But yeah, I think what it points out, and I know you being a centrist will, will agree with me, is that the problem with having no government oversight and capitalism is that you wind up with absolutely like just bona fide atrocities taking place right like if absolutely you, yeah like if you have regulations in place to stop this from happening then you know people aren't going to burn to death trying to feed their family right which is i think like regardless of where you stand unless you're like what hardcore libertarian like you would think that everyone has the right to be like you know, their workplace to be like safety inspected. Like, I don't think, yeah. I don't think you'd find anyone who's against that. You know, everyone wants to work somewhere safe. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Until you go in that neoliberal, like Reagan direction, um, most people are going to be in support of that. And it, it, the people that say that they're against that on principle, like anarcho capitalists, for example, they're, they, they disagree with like our points because they have in their head, theorized a world where people are benevolent enough to not do this despite all of the evidence in the world that this is what happens when you don't have any regulation on capitalism right i mean it it falls into the perspective of like in an ideal world of my political belief you wouldn't have to worry about that yeah of course yeah of course in an ideal world that you're making up yeah definitely (laughs) 
Yeah. And this is the same problem I have with Marxists is that they treat it like they treat somebody's thoughts, somebody's like, you know, into intuition as to what the world could be as like a, a gospel. It's like, this is definitely how it is. This is a religious doctrine that we need to adhere to. Um, and that's what, that's why I don't ever propose like a real strict, like, hypothetical society where everything's just good for everybody because i don't think you can i don't think i can you'll never you'll never get that yeah i don't think i can hi hypothesize the perfect system i think that we can just work towards um you know equality in the ways that i see fit and work towards um ha you know having some level of control over our own conditions right so here's um here's some fun facts to go with unions the largest and really only unions left uh, in the United States are actually just government unions. So that would be like police officers, firefighters, first responders, uh, education, which also, um, I mean, you might, you could call me stupid for this, but I kind of didn't like, it makes sense, obviously, like that teachers are government workers. Mm -hmm. uh, but it, that never like occurred to me before I just read this right now. Yeah. Which is, yeah, I don't know. Are. Yeah, that's, that's just like, like a, fun fact i guess yeah so most most uh union workers are government employees so that's cool yeah yeah like it's uh the the public sector unions are a difficult thing because like teachers unions can be bad sure um police unions i'd say pretty much ubiquitous ubiquitously are bad um they've done some bad things yeah yeah and the reason why is because they maintain the point is to maintain the position of these of these people regardless of what they're doing which like if you're if i'm manufacturing auto parts all day and i want to like and i and i'm getting lazy and putting out less of that it's like that's much less consequential to the future of you know our country than if our teachers are like meh i don't really feel like teaching i don't really want to engage with my students i want to just like put on a video, pass out busy work, uh, have them pass, you know, a test. And then we're, that, that's it. Right. That's even well, though that's arguably 60% of <laughs> public school. Yeah. Oh yeah, it is. And, and that's not, I, I don't want to imply that that's solely the result of teachers unions because it's absolutely not. It's just that our entire education system's outdated and, and it's designed more in favor of producing people who will, you know, bend over to authority figures and yeah. work. They'll listen and they'll do their, they'll do their thing. They're told. Yeah, or and they can they'll, they'll have their parents sit down and say your your son or daughter is doing something not good. Yeah, right. So like, yeah, it's about that authority obeying thing and then also like um just get, making a factory worker, making a good worker. And I think for that reason it's very outdated. But like beside that point to get into the police unions the the point again is to maintain people's like position in the uh, I, I can't call it a company because it's the public sector but like in in that police department right so like despite what you do to the public the police union protects you from facing the consequences for it right and i think that's extremely problematic i think a solution to both of these issues would be to just pay very well for both of these positions and to completely restructure the way that they function, you know, make it, make it about the end goal, make it about what you want to have happen. Like police, the point of police isn't just to like abuse the public. It should be to serve and protect like their motto says, and mm -hmm. teacher point should be educate 
the people help people to think freely. I know this is not how it works because you know we have like some level of an authoritarian system here. Um, but like, but it, I think but it those, doesn't in, it doesn't encourage free thinking like whatsoever. Um, no, sorry, yeah. I interrupted you, but like, yes, yeah, it doesn't. Yeah. No, go go off, go off. If you have a it's, lot to it's say, just, it's just it's just it's stupid. It's so stupid. Like, my solution to this is we pay these people much better right like teachers shouldn't be making 40k a year like what the fuck no like what um but then in in retrospect to that like if you're going to pay them more we also need to have the best of the best doing that like you can't you can't just go and i've i've witnessed this at um you know in college we both witnessed this like people who are going to school for education to get their bachelor's in in whatever like early education or something like that these people are going to teaching like third graders or something like that and they're like getting blackout drunk and their schoolwork is literally literally arts and crafts like they're they're cutting pictures out like right what and i don't mind like okay if you want to get blackout drunk and do whatever you want of course it's your right go ahead lord knows i did college exactly exactly (laughs) but like arts and crafts like yeah. that's your that's your like homework and then like you have us in stem where like i know that we studied for like hours and hours and like days on end for single tests only just to fail them <laughs> like yeah ungodly amounts of time trying to learn fucking quantum mechanics so that i can get right. a, like a like a <laughs> 53 percent if i'm lucky exactly <laughs> and they just do like arts and crafts and they're gonna teach the like the next generation like I, not I'm to, not cool. I'm not okay yeah. with that. I'm not okay with that. Not to not to teach or bash here because there are some really good ones out there. I think right. the, no, of course, of course not. I think the problem that both you and I are probably getting at right here is just that like the bar is low enough that like you can if I if I was studying you know what I went to school for biochemistry and I got like sick of studying biochemistry I could opt out into like in like a biology or chemistry more in my position ed program and then yeah. do that world and senators then, and outside and pressure then, oh groups are steaming over and then the problem is like we need to have a again going with that like much higher pay for these people we need to have a harder system more vetting in process more vetting processes in place sorry to for them to get that job right and the same thing applies to teachers or to police unions too like if we make it hard to become a cop make it hard to become a teacher but it pays very well we're gonna get the best out of it we're gonna get the best candidates yeah exactly make it make it more rigorous pay them more like yeah i i don't know it's it's crazy to me and like How are you ever going to get creativity if you're just like handing out paperwork? Like if if you have a kid and I've I've been this kid, I've been this kid that I'm going to describe. Like if (laughs) I if I want to ask a question and the teacher just says, like, sorry, we're not going to we're not going to cover that in this in this like topic or whatever or in this section. Like. How are you how are you going to pique kids interest? Like, how are you going to get them interested in learning if you just say sorry i'm not gonna talk about that not right now like we'll deal with that later and then you never do like how many people are going to get bored of it especially in a in a world where like what is it i again i don't know the number but like a like a huge portion of students kids kids in the united states of america have adhd or some sort of variant of like attention deficit disorder like 
how are you going to get them interested if you refuse to like talk about what they think is interesting if you refuse to teach them about what they want to learn and you just give yeah. them paper handouts to read i i don't know like right. no, I, t I totally agree with what you're saying and i think again this is where we're, we're talking about the structure of this entire system right because like again the whole point is to like get them to obey authority meet quotas um be organized enough that they can function in the workplace so everything's rigid and it's not really about learning nor is it about asking questions or thinking critically um so if we restructure everything we can maybe get to the point where i don't know i ideally for me philosophy becomes a core piece of your education uh, classes, especially when you get into high school, at least for me, would be very much set up set up for like discussion, right? So you're talking about stuff, you're thinking through stuff, getting right. info that you have that the you know the person presents to you, and you're making arguments and reasoning through that. This is a place where I appreciate essays actually, because I've always actually enjoyed writing essays because you just literally you make a point and then you defend it or expand upon it for the rest of the essay. And that's what's valuable about that. But we don't teach people how to even do that. We don't even teach people how to think through those things and argue. That's why so many people suck at writing. That's why so many people hate writing essays even, because they've just not been given the, the tool set to like, you know, think like that. And I think that's something that we need to strive for if we want to develop, you know, a better world, have more innovators, have more... Um, creative thinkers like you're saying because lord knows that this current system doesn't foster that at all yeah so i i wanted to point out like how are how are you going to get kids to be interested and and do like so if you're trying to write an essay like you said like if you just give them a topic and like all like 32 students in the same class write an essay on the same topic first of all how is the teacher going to like what do you grade it off of like, how do yeah. you how do you say this one's better? Like, this is an A or this is a C. Like, that's like totally arbitrary. They're all about the same thing. And because you gave them the topic, like, why don't we encourage creativity by allowing students to pursue what they want to pursue? Like, you go to yeah. college, you get to pick a you get to pick a major. At least you get to pick something. Whereas, yeah. like, we have we have these like very strict curriculums that every teacher in the state in a public school has to meet these topics and if they don't they get like reprimanded reprimanded like yeah how, how are you going to encourage creativity if you're forcing everyone to learn the same thing and i obviously i know you like you have to learn the basics before you can get yeah. to that but like if if a student has a question or a, or the class has a good question and or they're really interested in like prehistoric history or something like that like, who is the state? Who are you to say, oh, sorry, we're only allowed to spend three days on this topic. We're moving on to the next one. Like, why not right. spend a little bit extra time to to appease their interest? Right, man. Like, I could say, at least personally, I've I hated public school since I was like a child. I hated all of it because it's like either you're dealing with stuff that's not interesting at all or like they're rehashing the same like basic points that you already understand and you just have to do busy work like centered around that thing um mm -hmm. and if we were to i don't know do something where 
you can now once you once you get the main core things like if you're if you're very proficient or advanced in you know your reading comprehension your writing your logic math the in in science too those essential things like oh fucking if you want to if you want to pursue painting like maybe you have a little bit of these kinds of work of like those subjects work to do just to maintain your understanding but then at the same time most of your day maybe could be centered around pursuing the thing that you're actually passionate about because like if we wouldn't beat passions out of people we'd have i think less miserable people and probably more um innovation from people as well yeah definitely that's a really that's a really good take and i'll i'll, I'll expand on that too is like so what i'm describing is essentially what i've experienced throughout um you know elementary school, middle school, high school, and most of college, it it really wasn't until like my last year or two of college that I got into my classes where I mean, I've, I've always been interested in like everything like I love I honestly do love learning like I like learning about new things. So I, I always ask questions, a lot of questions. And it was only up until like this, these high, high level classes, like these are like my capstone classes, like, like one of my molecular biology classes was the best example, because I would ask questions and my professor would be like, we don't know the answer to that. Right, which is perfectly fine, which I think is totally acceptable. You can say we don't like I don't know. And we don't know. Because the yeah. science hasn't been done because this is my cutting level, you know, like this is the highest biology class i'm going to take um yes and then and then to to deal with that to say we don't know we did a research project we like we tried to look into it like i use that as my as my research papers as my like um i mean it wasn't a thesis but like it was kind of like a thesis for this class like like it was it was me asking a question and then him saying, I don't know the answer, like we'll do research on it. And then I get to explore my curiosity and my interests, And along with that, gather all of these skills and all of this extra knowledge. Like that's how you learn by asking questions and then saying, OK, let's go find out. Not just like spitting out. And just yeah, saying memorize this and then once this section's over, forget it and then memorize this new section. Yeah, to me, that should be kind of like an end goal, at least for like a lot of education is let's get you up to speed as to where we're at. And now let's all like discuss, debate, um, try to try to like set up uh, studies, research that we could do to try to find an answer or try to find some data related to this. Right. Whether it's negative or positive but like that, because because that's the only way that you produce thinkers. What you're talking about right now is making people who think critically and can process information and try to creatively solve the things that have not been solved yet, which again, our, our education system is set up completely antithetical to that. It kind of beats that creativity out of you because you don't want a creative warehouse worker. You don't want a creative steel manufacturer. I keep beating up on them. Um, you, you want people who are going to just be subservient, do, you know, their, their mindless routine job, go home, be so tired that they can't do anything, but just like, you know, veg on the couch, watch sitcoms, get drunk, go to bed, come back in, have a cup of coffee, do it all over again. It's outdated. And and that's my that's my point is like it took me until like my senior year in college to get to the point where I was even able to. I had like one class where I was able to do that. Like 
I mean, I guess I guess that's supposed to be the point of like grad school. But like, why why wait so long? Why not? Why not like encourage this interest like so much earlier so that way people don't get burnt out and they have this like fire burning in them where they can. I'm sorry, this is turning into total like bash on education episode instead of right wing. But (laughs) like, I don't know. It just it really it really pisses me off because it's ridiculous. And we just like we always talk about education reform and the solutions always let's just give them more money which is like ridiculous because yeah. that's not the prop like that's it's so much more fundamental than that and you if you can yeah. if you just give more money like that doesn't really solve anything you no, know because structural issue it's the same thing that i have when i talk to like right-wingers and they're like we can't defund the police we have to fund them more we got to give them more money that's how you get better police well throwing money at a problem doesn't fix it it's about if the structure's broken if they're operating within a system that's already been established and is rotten to the core Throwing money at it doesn't simply fix that problem. It just gives more money to, you know, the people that kind of delegate where that money goes or it just allows them to squander it in the same way that they've been doing. So that's why these kinds of issues require a restructuring. Right. Right. You'll just you'll just have police that instead of being paid fifty thousand dollars a year to beat up protesters, they get paid seventy thousand dollars a year to beat up protesters. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's it. That's it. That's the only difference. Like until you deal with the core issues, you can't fix the fucking problem. If I have gangrene in my uh, in my pancreas for God knows what reason, you can't start putting like or in my liver that's a better example for this analogy you can't start just putting makeup all over my body to cover up the jaundice my skin turning yeah, like that's not a solution like that's exactly what they're trying to do not an answer it, it, and that's the thing like they don't like none of these hierarchies want you to question their role or or the the integrity of their structure but once you can start doing that you realize that the that standard political conversation doesn't even address reason why these these issues are taking place right it's and it's because these people have like no idea like the career politicians they don't they're so far removed they're two three decades out of education they've been in politics for who knows how long like they don't yeah they they have no they don't know and also like again to, to to tie this back into our main point about the u.s shifting harder and harder to the right um all of those politicians to begin with what what their like entire thing is based on is just like getting donation money or to for the re-election campaign from whoever can provide it and the people that can provide it are rich people and aside from that probably the the bigger thing the reason why they even want their re-election campaign funded is because they make tons of money and these wealthy people lobby to them so instead of these hierarchies these institutions being set up in a way that the public would approve of or would be beneficial to the public they're set up according to what corporate power wants and this again ties back into our point about how like if we're going to have capitalism we need regulation on it or else we cannibalize ourselves we we absolutely deteriorate the people and the culture in the name of it and and deregulating is not going to solve that solution and and that seems to be like yep like the solution to education on the right is is essentially like okay well if they're going to be useless like let's cut their funding yeah or like let's let's place more more restrictions on what they can teach or something like that so that way it better reflects whatever ideal we want to reflect which is exactly what you said being a better worker um yeah 
So that's yeah. I mean, and you can you can see it again through the. I know we're bagging on the education system, but like <laughs> if you if you look back throughout history, like going going to a university, like you basically you spoke to the the premier like like the people at the top like you'd have you'd have like nobel prize professors or something like that teaching you like you'd have like i've i've read so many um like memoirs of of people scientists or something specifically scientists really because that's what i read yeah. about um they're they're learning from like um Max Del Brooker, which is like the the inventor of molecular biology, like they're just like taking classes with this guy and like they're able to just go up and talk to this guy. Whereas it's like, all- I don't I don't know if it's because it's just gotten so big and we have so many people now. But like, I can't imagine now, like today that you can just go up to a professor and say, I want to per- pursue this this thing. And they'll say okay yeah we'll throw together a project like it doesn't work like that anymore if you have which is which is sorry go ahead no 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 i don't mean to cut you off um but like if you have a good professor they'll do that but that's only like really plausible in smaller schools like the one that we went to like if you go to i don't know let's let's just say alabama university like one of the really big ones like there's so many students, the professor only has so much time and they're going to be involved with the ones who like, you know, got there with a 4.2 GPA and like clearly been really invested in this system. And like, despite what your credentials are, you could probably, if you have a good enough idea or like an interesting enough take or an interesting enough topic, even that you want to pursue, you probably could go to them and be like, Hey, let's, let's do this, which like, Again, this is kind of why I'm for more decentralized institutions, um, small, like smaller scale things, because like exactly what you yeah. said, right? You, you lose you lose that aspect once you start getting 300 people in a class. Like now you have to have TAs proctoring classes and you have some poor grad student who like just took this class, but got like a B plus in it. And now he's teaching you guys because the professor doesn't have time. Like because they're writing grants or something, or like it's it, the whole system's just so fucked. Yeah. yeah, it's too it's too many people shoved into too big of classrooms, and and you're never gonna get this this small scale ingenuity because, I mean, I've been in these these classes. Like I've had interesting interesting professors. Um, believe it or not, in uh, my class was Love Songs Through the Ages, which is a class I had to take and I had no choice. Um. My, my professor, believe it or not, was very interesting, actually. I en- I enjoyed taking his class, but, like, there's 200 people in the class. Like, do you think I'm ever going to stand up and have a discussion with him? No, yeah. not really. Not in front of 199 other people. Yeah. It's just, like, yeah, it's just the nature of it. And I'm sure everyone else thought the same thing, you know? Like, they don't... Totally. If it was, if it was 20 people, that'd be perfect. You know, then, then we can all have this discussion or something. But 200 right. people... And now right. now pretend your professor is not even teaching the class and it's a grad student instead. And you say something to stoke a conversation and they're just like, uh, sorry, that wasn't in the syllabus. Like <laughs> I'm, I'm hung over and I, I like I'm just going to do what's, you know, on the agenda. <laughs> yeah. Like, sorry, man, go talk to the professor in office hours when they're when they're not even there because they don't go to their office hours. Right. Yeah. And that's like. 
again, like the fact that it functions that way and like at bigger schools, you have much less of a chance to, to do that. Like, you know, questioning independent study stuff. Like it makes to me, makes that kind of setting feel like a credentials factory, right? You're, you go there and you're, the point is just get the degree, go work instead of like, yeah, definitely. That's, I mean, that is literally the point. Yeah. And that's like, that's like the, the whole, like when I talk to people about college and they're really like indignant about how expensive it is and how, uh, you know, not, not like plausible for most people it is. Um, the point they make is like, well, you're going to college so you can get the credentials to get this job instead of it being about why don't you go better yourself, learn more, um, learn to think more efficiently. And that's, that's like tragic to me. I don't know. I don't know. What, I don't think that the ideal education system should be just like, oh, our point is to churn out more workers. And that's, that's it. So that you right. Can- and that that comes back to the the shifting right wing of politics again is you you if you're if there's 200 people in your class, you as the individual have to get up and stand up and walk over to your professor and say, I'm interested in this. I want to do this project on this. And you have to get lucky and have that professor say, yeah, that's a good idea. We'll do it. But like it's it's up to you as the individual, which is which is, again, capitalistic. It's it's you, the individual saying I want to pursue this, which I mean, there's nothing wrong with that, but, but that no. that's what we've enforced now at this point is like, you could have 200 yeah. people and, and two of them will get up and say, I want to do this research project or whatever. Right. And then, and, and then the other 198 get left behind because they didn't like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that, and I wanna, that's very, that's very capitalistic. Just even in the classroom. I want to stress what you said to, um about like that's that's not a bad thing i don't think it's it's a bad thing to have competition in fields like that's if we did away with capital and you're still going to have competition in whatever field you're working in or in whatever research you're doing right because i mean you could it could be collaborative too but like you're still gonna have at least some level of competition kind of like inherent to the people um in that but like also, to expand then on what you were saying, too, about this shifting to the the right wing is that, like, the research that will get funded, especially speaking for us being people who went to college for, like, STEM degrees, the things that are going to get funded are things that, um, you know, show a potential to get patented, something that could be marketable then from your uh, institution, from your university to, like, a pharmaceutical company or, like... In the engineering world, like it's going to be something that still is like profitable. You could have a really good idea that's not as profitable and still would benefit mankind. But if it's not going to increase their bottom dollar, we're less likely to fund that. Exactly. Exactly. Like if we so we just printed what, like four trillion dollars throughout COVID or something ridiculous. Four trillion. If we had just taken that and instead used it on like research in schools you know everyone everyone would be able to i mean again maybe not everyone i'm generalizing but like you you would have the ability to get a grant because you wanted to do this cool research project and then that would give you the ability oh i i was this creative and i came up with this thing and i patented or whatever and now you can start a business yeah 
Yeah, like it's, like it's it's almost detrimental to capitalism in a way because we're so we're so taking these resources and shoving them towards things that don't need resources and we're we're leaving behind things that do need resources and in that way it's almost not capitalistic because no one's given the ability yeah. to do this like you know we're leaving how many new business owners or something or like new managers or something like that that would be or lab professors or or whatever of course we're using science because it's what we both are but how many people are you yeah. leaving behind? Like, it's not even, you can't even be competitive because you're not given the opportunity to be competitive. Yeah. And you're getting into like, like a spot where we can clarify our main point here, which like I'd at least say that this country isn't just broadly getting more right winged. It's getting more right wing authoritarian, meaning that the, uh, the private sector, you know, corporations, wealthy people, et cetera, are, are becoming, more they're they're gaining power over a political system and they your money is funneled by the government into means of making them richer right like exactly like what you just said about the funding um your your public spending goes to preserving the status of the wealthy or making them wealthier rather than going towards you know the the betterment of mankind right that's like essentially what how this country operates that's what your taxes go to that's why you don't have uh free health care that's why you don't like like anything like that people start questioning like well i don't know if we have the money for it but anytime we're bailing out some hedge fund jackass so he can have his summer at the hamptons for the next 15 years like everyone's like ah whatever at least politicians are like yeah whatever and it's kind of kept from the mainstream eye enough i mean at least until recently that most of us don't even know about it or question it Right. And I think I think at least I'm hoping that COVID and kind of this whole like four trillion dollar just, you know, shopping spree will result in some sort of change, because I think everyone's kind of I at least I hope everyone's realizing like, wait a minute, like, what the fuck did we just we gave everyone what it was eighteen hundred dollars total, twelve hundred dollars stimulus plus or no, it was four hundred. So sixteen hundred dollars total stimulus. And then businesses like airlines got like 40 billion. Yeah. And here's here's another fun fact, which doesn't really have to do with this, but um, airlines spent 96 cents on every dollar of of earnings that they made of, of pure income that they made on oh stock buybacks. Wonderful. Right? 96 cents on of, of every dollar. That, that is then my does absolutely nothing but increases the CEO payout because they have contracts related to stock prices and the stock price goes up, they get paid more. Yep. So that's and then we gave them my tax dollars, your tax dollars, so they could continue doing this. Like that's my point. <laughs> it's about wealth. It's much more about wealth than it is about bettering the country or bettering the average American's life. Like and we've just like we're so used to it now. I mean, you and me growing up like like well past reagan's uh presidency and well past like the time where this shit started becoming like normalized to, to us this is just life this is just america so we yeah it's just how it is if, unless we know otherwise this is just what we accept and this is what we think it is the only way that it can be right and that's that's what i'm really hoping that this changes that would and it, i mean you can kind of see it in the democrats because they're they're kind of slowly moving more and more left wing, but then at the same time, 
conservatives are going more and more right wing. So it's I, I I don't know. It's yeah, I don't know. Yeah, no, I agree. It's like a yeah, I it's like it's 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 almost pointless endeavor because you have you have a Democrat President Obama. And then he enacts all these things by executive order. Let's let's also say that, which is ridiculous, but whatever. Um, and then Trump can come into office and then again with an executive order undo everything that he did. So Biden goes and does and he will probably do the same thing, although I'll give him credit. He said he's not going to use executive orders as much. We'll see if that is comes to fruition. But if you if you do an executive order, the next Republican president can undo everything that you just did, which is exactly yeah. what Biden's going to do. He's going to undo everything Trump did because he did it by executive order. Like, yeah, he'll undo he'll undo. This is like this is where I'm a real cynic. Um, he'll undo the things that are like tangibly, like visibly. If all, if all of your information that you uh, get about how this country works comes from mainstream media, these things are that he's going to undo are going to look great. It's going to be shit like, okay, we can let trans people back into the military now. And we can, uh, you know, uh, bring protections to LGBTQ plus individuals, right? And he, what he won't undo is going to be just the same basic, you know, structure, the same like corporate bailout system that we have, the same like... Uh, just just rigged in favor of the rich economy he'll let that continue and that's like again he's like he's like bill clinton when he said oh yeah i i 20 years ago i'd have been the uh i'd have been a moderate republican it's the same kind of shit because that's what he is and like the left openly talks about like doing certain progressive things right like we hear People like Liz Warren and like Kamala Harris talk about um, what like like we maybe maybe we should have I mean Kamala's not talking about this but like maybe we should have a fifteen dollar minimum wage or maybe we should do X Y Z liberal thing but I really believe that at least when you look at their voting records compared to what they're saying those things are more just their way of trying to appease the progressive end of the you know left. The American left, basically, like right. I don't. It's social progressivism, but it's not anything else, really. I don't think they're going to go for uh, universal health care or they're for. Not. Yeah, they're, they're not. I mean, I'll give it to Obama. At least he tried. You know, he tried with what he could. So, yeah. but I, I, like, if it doesn't work, I think we 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 rely too much on like oh, we already have that law or something like that. Even if that law doesn't work, like we're not, we're not okay with repealing stuff. Yeah. Like we have to, we have to like stick with what we have and then just like make changes. Whereas like sometimes it's okay to just like wipe the slate clean and just come up with a new idea to fix it or try to fix it. Cause it doesn't always work and that's okay. But we're so stuck on like, and again, the Constitution's a perfect example. We're stuck on the Constitution being the way that we run everything. But, like, sometimes it's okay to just, like, wipe the slate clean and maybe get rid of this part of a... I guess not the Constitution. That's probably not a good example. But, like, just, like, basic laws and stuff. Like, there are laws that we have in place. Like, why don't we repeal those laws and get rid of them and then we can do new ones? Like, we don't have to add on to it and clarify. Like, let's reduce the number of, like, 
the amount of paperwork essentially that's that's my kind of like viewpoint is yeah, like, like why not try and get rid of some of this shit and then we can build new stuff right and you yeah. can do it in one swoop. Like if you write a law, like you can say we're going to repeal this law and replace it with this much more clarified, much better law, as opposed to saying like we're going to keep this law, but we're going to make an amendment to this law saying except for this situation, this situation. Like it doesn't make any sense. Why not just like get rid of it and make a new one? Yeah, and like to 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 get onto what you uh understandably shied away from for a second about the constitution, like the the whole it was meant to be amended right like we have amendment right. it's part of the way it's set up we're supposed to amend it so if something's not working we should change it but instead we look at it as like an absolute doctrine where nothing can ever be changed even though it's been in the past things have been changed significantly i don't know we just we we don't need like i i see it all as kind of like a like a semi transparent way of making people just Stay, like stay stagnant politically and be like ah this is just the way it is we don't need to upset the status quo at all everything's fine it's just those damn liberals or it's just those damn conservatives right and and that's what i'm hoping is like covid along with hopefully fucking one day the younger generation will be able to start taking power <laughs> and yeah. we won't have these like 80 year old like goblins in charge we can just oh, yeah. get rid of them and maybe maybe we can do something then um but it, it almost feels like a fruitless endeavor because like there's always there's always a new goblin in the swamp there's always a new one yeah. who's gonna be there i don't i don't know yeah um, and it's still again completely just based on like wealthy power and how they can influence politics right exactly and i really that's what i mean is like Yes, you should have experience, you should have life experience and be like well-rounded. And that means you should be probably in your like 30s or 40s in office. But again, we had our, I forget which podcast it was, like the second one or something like that. Um, the About average age of our politicians is 67 years old. Like that's fuck. too old. That's just too old. It's too old man like they don't they're they're out of touch and and that was supposed to be the point of like democracy it's you're supposed to have your like regular farmer be in charge for a couple of years and then you have a banker in charge for a couple of years and then you have a teacher in car in charge for a couple of years because it's supposed to be representative not not career politicians not not what we have now what we have now yep. is like rancid it's just rancid swamp people swamp goblins yeah. <laughs> goblins do you want to do you want to wrap it up there and get into the get into the interactive stream yeah yeah so um i want to i guess close this out with um it's a quote but i'm not going to read the whole quote um so this is from barry goldwater who was the uh what was it 1964 candidate for the republican party yeah. right so um he said, compared to with today's Republican presidential candidates, um, well, this isn't him saying it, but this is this is, you know, someone saying it about him. Um, yeah. His views were considered so extreme in 1964 that he was defeated in a landslide. Right. He supported constitutionalism, muscular national security, small government economic policy, which is low taxation and light regulation. Um, and he had social stances that included government shouldn't interfere with a woman's right to have an abortion. And right. those would set him to the left of many 
quote unquote conservatives today. And he, he literally said in 1996, so this was two years before he died, he said, we're the new liberals of the, of the Republican Party. The new liberals of the Republican Party. Like, and, and it, yeah, yeah, just, I, I, like, I don't I, I don't know. Like we, we've moved so far right that like this guy who and he, again, so Barry Goldwater is known as the founder of the new modern day conservative party. And he supported abortion. Yes, yep. he wanted to tax less and spend less, which is fine. And the argument behind that is essentially like government spent so much money, but unemployment was still so high, regardless of how much the government spends. So what's the point of spending? which is kind of fair. Yeah. But yeah, so like this this guy who founded the modern conservative party today would be a liberal. Like so that's yep. that just shows you how far right we've gone. Just food for thought people, just food for thought. Right. So with that, uh, um I think we're going to close out this episode. Um if you have any beefs with what we said, yell at us on Twitter. Up on um, a Twitch yeah, hop on a Twitch stream. We're doing Twitch streams. Um, Wednesdays around 6 p.m. Yeah, yeah. Wednesdays around 6 or 7 or 8 p.m. Depends <laughs> Depends how long we, we do other stuff. But yeah, you'll get notifications. Subscribe to us. Uh, like and follow us. Post us on Facebook and Twitter. Yeah, post us to your grandparents so that you can get really mad that we're communists. Even though we're not. 